0: Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Sub Zero Coffee Podcast. Today I'm joined by an absolute knucklehead of human being, Todd Souter, my business partner, and, um, you know, really good friend as well. Good morning, Todd.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Did you like that little introduction?
1: Um, it was interesting, yeah.
0: Mate, very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have to wait long because I wanted to introduce people to the Laughs Like a Hyena guy. Oh, wow. That's you. Okay. Mate. If Thanks, you, so throughout the podcast,
1: you'll hear Todd laugh, and it? it's it's iconic that laugh, isn't it?
0: Well, I think so, but <laughs> you can tell it
1: from a distance.
0: <laughs> and if you don't think it sounds like a hyena, well, mm. you will at the end of the, this podcast. Exactly. Um, how are you, Todd? I'm good, mate. How yeah. are you? Oh, mate, very good. I'm very caffeinated. We've we've gone and had a um, a flavour experience this morning.
1: Flavour flavour train. Where did we go? Went to the new Melbourne. On a Melbourne site in Brunswick. It was pretty good, wasn't it? It was very good. Lots of coffees. Many, many, many coffees. Many, many flavours. And they kind of
0: paved the way for what we're doing at the moment, didn't they? Absolutely. Right. well, what coffee did you have?
1: I had a Ethiopia Jasper milk-based coffee. Oh, mate, that was pretty good. I had a Synchro CM Cherry Carbonic Maceration Geisha Espresso. I had a CM Thagini Kenya Espresso and I had a raspberry candy milk based coffee.
0: That was just to start the morning. Just to
1: just to get out of bed, yeah. I feel
0: like we're going we're going to need an encyclopedia to explain <laughs> some of these coffees. Um, yeah. you know. That's okay. It's quite quite a few words there, but we'll we'll get to that later on in the later on the podcast and so if you if you're new to coffee and you're listening stay tuned. We'll, we'll we'll simplify it and you know reduce the coffee nerdery throughout. We'll get there. Yeah. But um let's start by introducing you mm-hmm. a bit more to those who might be listening Todd. Yes. What is your full name?
1: Well, my full name is Todd James Souter. Because it's spelled Souter, you know that. It's some people like to pronounce it Souter. It's actually correct pronunciation is Souter.
0: But I suppose if you you know, you could look at the word South and S O U and it's pronounced South, S O U. Or okay. you could look at soup. Okay. S O U P Souter.
1: It's like can't stand ya, George Costanza. There,
0: go, there we go with a laugh again, but we, we, yeah. we're, we're massive Seinfelds, you and I. And, and, and where were you born?
1: I was born in Tasmania,
0: hospital town.
1: Uh, Queen Victoria Hospital
0: in Launceston. Now Tasmania is like this sort of island off the south of Australia. It is part of. Um, it is. It, it is. It's like Hawaii to America, but a little bit closer, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, sort of. Great state. Used to be called Van Diemen's Land. That's right. Back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Um, home to the Tassie Devil. That's right. Former, formerly home to the Tassie Tiger. That's right. Um, affectionately known as Tassie. Yeah. And some say it's even proof that South Australians can swim. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh of me. Um, oh, okay. All right. So you're born in Tasmania, mm-hmm. and um, at some stage you've moved to Melbourne. Yes. When was that?
1: So I moved to Melbourne in 2011. That was mm. to pursue strictly to pursue a career in coffee.
0: Okay, and before you moved to Melbourne, what were you doing?
1: I was I attended university. Um, so I studied graphic design, English and journalism, decided it wasn't really for me and almost fell into coffee, coffee by accident as a as a job that I loved.
0: A lot of great coffee stories start at university, you know that? Mm, I do. Um, I've I've had this discussion with a few people and yeah, you, you some people start and you know, my 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 encounter with coffee started at university i was a i was a i was a dish pig before a kitchen hand before um before we started before i started making coffee and you know that was just my job to pay the bills yeah exactly keep you going just keep you going because of course when you go to university you've got no money exactly (laughs) and so when exactly you know i've never been able to shake that sort of you know financial Hmm. tag you know i've always been in the lowest tax bracket (laughs) um but you know we're still here. Yeah, exactly. Still going.
1: Um, and coffee's important if you're a uni student as well.
0: Well, you see, that was... So I'm 25 years old right now. Yes. So I'm getting on a bit. Yeah, um, getting on. <laughs> and I, th- I think I had my first coffee when I was 20 years old.
1: Wow, okay. So a bit later than me. Okay.
0: Well, yeah, you know, and it was a Macona, um or Nescafe instant coffee. Oh, okay.
1: Wasn't that good. Lots of tertiary flavours. There's a bit hair going. Yeah.
0: So to okay. speak. And for anyone who doesn't speak Australian, a bit how you're going means it's bad.
1: Yes, that's, a, below, that's below average.
0: That's a rough translation. Yes. All right, so you, um, you came from Tasmania, mm-hmm. um, sought refuge in Melbourne. Yes. And to, to pursue a coffee career, mm-hmm. where was your first job in, co- in Melbourne?
1: First job in Melbourne, I was actually working for my uncle, and he owned a sorry owns a graphic design company which is called Nose to Tail it's a tail. Mm. And what's your uncle's name? My uncle's name is Jason. Uncle Jay. Jason Suda. Uncle JJ, we call him.
0: Uncle JJ. Yeah. <laughs> JJ yeah. Crackers. That's right. Okay. Um,
1: yes, yeah, so that was 2011 and I he had a garage which he wasn't using and someone had the idea, if you were out the garage door, you could open a cafe. That's a sort of hole in the wall cafe, which is a great idea. Mm. So this was in Balaclava. Unfortunately, the cafe isn't there anymore, but I was at the cafe for about two years. Mm. Um, also met Ben Tuvey, which is an interesting... We'll come back to that later. We'll come back to that yeah, later. But yeah, Matt met Ben you learned a few little tricks from him. Um mm. just loved it, got into making coffee and I had already decided I actually came to Richley just to help out for one weekend, my uncle's cafe, but I knew I want to do this full time. i have to move to Melbourne. I have to get amongst get amongst it.
0: Get amongst it? You yeah. did. And from there you did what? So go go let's go Ada let's go all your coffee jobs in Melbourne, please.
1: Okay. It's been quite long. Okay. Mm. Yep. So I was at the Garage Cafe for two years. Mm-hmm. I, had an, I had an incredible coffee experience at Monk Bodhi Dharma. My first washed Ethiopian Chef espresso. They're,
0: they're cereal cherry poppers. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: So, you know, in specialty you coffee in, terms, that is. In coffee terminology, mm-hmm. yeah. So this coffee was like didn't taste like coffee. This tastes like fruit. Tastes like tea. For what's going on here? So this is when you're getting into specialty coffee, which is more more of a flavor experience than just a caffeine experience. Um, after that, I got a full-time job at Sensory Lab in the city, which is part of the St. Harley group, mm-hmm. um, worked my way up to becoming head barista at Sensory Lab. And then I was offered a 2IC position at St. Harley mm-hmm. in South Melbourne, mm-hmm. which was where I had another great sort of coffee experience.
0: And that's where we met. Yes, absolutely. At, and we were, we were working under the great Leon Holdsworth. Yes. And I've got to say about Leon, he's one of those under the radar coffee people, probably Probably the, one of the best baristas I've ever met. You yeah. give him coffee, and he will make it taste good. He know he Absolutely. really knows his stuff, and mm-hmm. he's he's not a um. He's not an overly. How would you say he he doesn't he has not like um, he doesn't put him plaster himself all, all over social media. No, it? he's he's is very it? humble. I think yeah, he's one of the most class. one
1: of the most underrated baristas in Melbourne. Very also. introverted.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He keeps to himself mostly. Yeah, but you know, behind beneath the skin.
1: Yeah, very very hardworking, very good mentor to me. Incredible barista, great teacher as well.
0: Mm. And and of course, Saneli is where you and I met. Yes, yes. that's where you gave me my chance.
1: Yeah, that's right. I remember yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, i I was working at a um I was working at another store initially mm-hmm. to begin with, which was way out yonder. It was literally in a cow paddock where there was a large property development going on. And I think mm-hmm. Sal elaborated on this in the one of the podcasts that we did. Um, a few a few months ago, and that was um, you know, we were, it wasn't a very busy store. You know, yeah, I, I made to put two it lightly, made two or three coffees a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I got a lot of, I graduated working at that store. I got a lot of my uni work done. Yeah, it was very interesting. That's a positive. And every morning, I'd go to Saint Ali and pick up the cakes. That's right. Yeah, go pick up the cakes and the pies. Yeah, and um, at Sa- and there it was where you would make me coffee in the morning. Yeah, and. This, we'll go full circle on this throughout the podcast, but yep. this is where my encounter with you began. Yes, we just we're both freaks. Yeah, absolutely. Both, we're both coffee freaks. Yeah, and so every morning you'd give me a different coffee. Yeah, and we'd nice. have a chat about it, and we'd discuss it. Yeah, and um, you know, a lot of our conversations were around you know coffee flavor. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that would have been back in 2017. Yes, and um, it just it just started what would become quite a wild ride. Yeah.
1: I think I made you a barista breakfast every morning, which was... What's, es- what's a barista breakfast? So, for those who, who are unfamiliar with that term, it's a espresso, a small cup of batch brew or filter coffee, mm. and a milk-based coffee or a cappuccino coffee.
0: It's the best way to start the day, isn't it?
1: It's the only way to start the day. I put it on the pass and I actually call out takeaway for Kirk as a joke. It wasn't takeaway, it was in a dining. but you call out takeaway for Kirk, you know, add a bit of atmosphere to the cafe. Cafe experience, pretty funny, wasn't it? Oh, I, I enjoyed that joke. Yeah, and they
0: were always very delicious. It was, um, they were, they were, um, and still are, you know, at the very top of the industry, mm-hmm. and very proud to have worked there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, it's a, it's an absolute machine of a joint. You were the head barista when I was working there. Yeah, got you know,
1: a got a promotion to the to the dream job in Melbourne. I think if you're the head barista at Saint Taille, you're You've made it, you've and then it. and then I
0: became the head brewster after you. Yes, that's um, right. And then we've now been succeeded by the much more talented Eleni Konidaris. That's right, the next um, generation. The Next generation, first female head brewster of Saint Ali Yeah, well, that's right. And very talented um, and delightful young person in her own right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a it's a challenging place to work in the sense that mm. you've got to make hundreds of coffees a day. Yeah, very I believe, quickly. Um,
1: At the time, Leon set the challenge: if you can make two lattes in a minute twenty, yes, you're on. If you couldn't do that,
0: but you had to—they had to be perfectly consistent.
1: Yes, of course, had to be servable coffee, but in a minute Mm. twenty, so very, very quick, very high quality coffees.
0: Well, it's doable a minute twenty. I mean, you can do it, but better practice, yeah. But they had to be perfect latte, all that, Mm. all that jazz sort of thing. Um, And now, look at us now, both
1: (laughs) unemployed. Um, probably the hardest working unemployed people in Melbourne we're
0: the busiest unemployed people in Melbourne <laughs> but we're, we're soon to be self-employed aren't we
1: absolutely yeah well
0: that's a good segue into what we want to talk what we would like to talk about next which mm-hmm. is Sub Zero Coffee yes this is the Sub Zero Coffee podcast that's right you are now formally my business partner
1: mm-hmm. and what do we do what do we do so we've done a number of frozen coffee pop-ups around Melbourne. Frozen coffee pop-ups. Yes. Talk talk, talk me through them. Well, I think it. this is this may be a world first, as far as I've, I'm aware. We had had a menu, very extensive menu, almost like a wine list in its um, you know breadth and length and in detail. Single single dose, vacuum sealed, and then frozen coffee to preserve its unique qualities.
0: Well, it's not a world first. They were doing it. at I think the world first might have been Marrickville. The owner coffee store in Sydney. That's right, yeah.
1: And um, in Melbourne, this may have been the first one. Yes, possibly.
0: But uh, perhaps we should, you know, in order to go forward, sometimes you need to go back. That's right. Perhaps, yeah. We should tell the story of how you were, you were a non-believer.
1: That's right, yeah. Twenty seventeen,
0: and now you're a believer. Yeah, twenty twenty. So, it all starts with I walked in. We went to you were competing at the national barista competition. Yes. at that time, right. and we'll talk more about competitions later, yep. but um, when we walked in, mm-hmm. a guy by the name of Matthew Lewin mm-hmm. was um, doing a routine, mm-hmm. and he said he was freezing coffee, Yeah. and I think we both thought to ourselves, what in God's name is he talking about? <laughs> exactly. And so, long story short, we decided to l- look this kind of stuff up, mm-hmm. came and a Guy called Christopher Hendon. Yes. Had him on the podcast last time. Dr. Coffee. Dr. Coffee. Mm. Mr. Freeze. <laughs> the Iceman. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I uh, started digging a bit, a little bit deeper. And then I decided when we were both working at St. Ali, mm-hmm. mate, we should freeze some coffee. Yes. And you weren't a believer.
1: I was very skeptical at the beginning because you're told never put your coffee in the fridge, don't put it in the freezer. You're conditioned, but no one ever tried it until then, I think.
0: Okay, and, and, and then how how did I how did I manage to indoctrinate you? How did I manage to
1: yeah, bring, it, so bring it bring it bring you to the dark side? I'll, I'll tell you the story. So mm. my competition coffee, which is a natural process Panama Borro geisha, incredible coffee, you had secretly without me noting no noting knowing knowing, mm. knowing um, had vacuum sealed and then frozen it at minus eighteen degrees in the freezer. Put it into the grinder. It actually grounds more consistently. Had a more narrow particle distribution. Um, incredible espresso. I thought that is the best espresso I've ever tasted. What have you done with it? And then you'd explain what you'd done, and I, so, couldn't, I couldn't believe it.
0: Now, just to dig the heel in a little bit here, Todd, mm-hmm. you had said, "No, that's a silly idea," or I, words to that effect. I may have
1: said something
0: like that. Words to those. 2017. To yeah. Words I, to I that might effect. Have said that, yeah. And then. Um, Without you knowing, I made mm. you an espresso. You thought it was at the time the best espresso you had ever had. Yes, mind blowing. And it was coffee. it was your your own competition coffee that you couldn't recognise. Yes. And then you know, you fed it back to you, and you said, "Mate, what have you done with
1: that? Sort of t- You've turned the flavour dial up somehow. Yeah, You've done something with it."
0: And you know, continuing on from that, mm. now you and I are borderline unemployed, self employed, <laughs> um, yeah. and where we've had three pop ups to date, yes. Uh, under the sub zero coffee format, mm-hmm. and basically, like you said before, we you know offer a, a menu of over 50 different coffees. Yeah, and I, I think where we differ to anyone else is that we source from any roaster in the world, yes. Um, and we don't have a restriction on the coffee we can, we can buy because, or mm-hmm. well, the only restriction is the money that we have to spend on it, yeah, but, um, exactly. But, um yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun mm. being able to buy all that coffee. Yeah. It's like building a library of flavours in your head.
1: Exactly. It's like a, a kid in a, a lolly shop or a candy store. You can pick whatever you like. It's, and, it's
0: excellent. And, um, you know, you're, you're preserving memories as well, aren't you? Absolutely. And, you know, like all these coffees, you know, sometimes I get a bit emotionally attached to them. Like, I, mm. I struggle to let them go. They're like <laughs> they're like my little babies. Exactly, yeah. Because they're all just so delicious. Mm. Um, but, yeah, and, and I guess... Well, a question for you, Todd. Mm-hmm.
1: Why do we do this? Why do we do this? That's a great question. I think we've, we've both had those days where we feel like, oh, I really feel like a natural processed Ethiopian. I wouldn't mind a wash Kenyan coffee. And sometimes those coffees aren't always available because of seasonality. So, you know, coffee's a fruit. It, it goes through different seasons, different stages of freshness and ripeness. So we have frozen coffee to preserve it and we can enjoy it later Or until a customer requests a specific coffee on a menu. We can say, yes, we can brew that for you. Here it is. Let me talk you through it.
0: And and I think to add to add one further to that. This enables us, and you're going to hear me say that a few times throughout this podcast, mm-hmm. to elevate the status of coffee. Yes. And what do I mean by elevate the status of coffee? Well, um, people are more than happy to go buy you know a ninety dollar bottle of Riesling from Germany. Exactly. Um, you know some some Pinot Noir, mm. you know, a nice funky natural wine. People and you know there's a, there's, a, there's there's the list goes on and on of you know wine that people are willing to buy by the glass at mm-hmm. sixteen twenty dollars, um, because yep, when more. you when you're half cut at the pub and you're or at the um, at the wine bar and you're mm. you know snacking on some nuts and some 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 biscuits with some pate you know <laughs> attached to it, yeah, you're very willing without taking note of the flavor to drop lots mm. of money on a on a on a, a glass of wine. Absolutely. Why wouldn't people be uh, empowered to do the same with coffee
1: i think the wine in, the wine industry especially in australia is very already well established like people recognize wines by variety we're not quite there yet with coffee so you know your shiraz your Vonnier, your merlot different varieties of grapes mm. so you talk about coffee you're looking at sl28 heirloom varieties geisha sidra all those great varieties that you and i really know quite well but it's the general public it's still a bit of an unknown it's a new thing. And for anyone that might be listening that have
0: managed to stick around throughout our, you know, tomfoolery <laughs> on this podcast, um, you know, we there are different varieties of coffee, and absolutely, we you know think of an apple. There's mm. green apples, yep. red apples, pink lady vera- apples, all have their own distinct flavour. Mm. Um, and I guess to summarise and to really, really, really simplify it, that it's a simpler, it's it's a similar concept with coffee varieties. They all have yes. a unique Offerings of flavor and 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 how they perform in certain conditions and all those sorts of things and yeah um like with wine exactly uh, that that is prevalent in coffee and I think with coffee um I'm I'm becoming I must self confess I'm becoming a bit of a emotional wreck coffee hipster <laughs> coffee hippie because you know I have this feeling that when you drink coffee you're not actually just drinking coffee. Mm. Connecting to the earth, mm-hmm. connecting to different parts of the earth, you know. You yeah, you know. Yeah, try you drink you drink some Colombian coffee. You can be transported if you're having a good experience. Mm. You could be transported to that farm. Absolutely, yeah. If you you've been to the Honduras, yes. So when you when you drink a cup of I don't know what farm have you been to Santa Barbara? When, when you, you see so you've been to the Santa Barbara region, yeah. When when you drink a cup of coffee from Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. you're kind of being transported to the farm. It's like time travel. It's like a hot tub time machine, exactly. And you're just going back in time, exactly. And for me, uh, being lucky enough to have gone to to some coffee producing nations, when I drink a cup cup of, you know, I think of La Selva is my favorite farm in the world, mm-hmm. I go back there every time. Just being being in there in the in the geisha trees, and mm. you don't have to have been to a um, to a coffee farm to have this. You know, type of experience as well. Yeah, exactly. you might drink a coffee that reminds you of a coffee you had three years ago, and you think, oh, mm. Jiminy, Jiminy crickets. Mm. Um, you know, exactly. I'm drinking this coffee; it's fantastic. And Salvatore Malatesta, our former employer, mm-hmm. he, he once said, Dr- "Great coffee is like time travel."
1: He did, yeah. And you know, I don't think we we appreciated what he meant by that at that time. It's like time travel. What do you mean? But it, it is your, it's a you have that memory of Pacific, Specific coffee, you, c- you can never experience that again. But I think through freezing coffee, it's it's almost just as good. It's like you're going back to that first experience. You had that great coffee experience, and you're like, "Wow, I remember that that great coffee that I had."
0: And you know, we've had these sort of shiny coffee pop ups where mm. we've, you know, I mean, they scrub up okay, but um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we do okay. Yeah, we do yeah. okay, but yeah, we're preserving these coffees, and there's some coffees that we have that we're intentionally. Um, saving for a later date. Yes. Um, and you think of people like George Howell over in America. Yeah. Um, he's been you know, creating these vintage coffees for quite some time. Yeah. And that's I think I think that's where we're going to get with with, with specialty coffee. I and, think so. You know this is this is the next big thing where we're going. I mean, what what what, what were the first three waves of coffee? or specialty coffee.
1: Well, coff- coffee at. I guess first wave coffee was like coffee in a can. It was instant coffee. It wasn't um, just something that came out of a can. People didn't understand it grew on a tree. It came from from a coffee cherry. It's a fruit. It's a fruit, absolutely. I don't know if you know this, but coffee's actually a fruit. It's actually a fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Second wave coffee, I guess you're getting into the more commercial, big chain roasting Italian coffee. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. And oh, then, I don't know. Then, I guess I'm not third, a coffee historian. Third, third wave coffee was getting more into about small batch roasting, roasting a little bit lighter. Single um, origins? Single origins, yeah. So for a big time, Salvatore Melatesta was the champion of the single origin, single estate coffee. And it was in, I remember coming, just moved to Melbourne, was in all the newspapers, thought, who's this guy, Salvatore Melatesta, talking about coffees of fruit, single estate, single origin coffee. Everyone thought he was, he was mad, he was crazy. But he's very, very passionate about, he thought about coffee... Like like wine back in two thousand and nine, and now we just can appreciate where he's coming from.
0: Well, is this the fourth wave, or are we just self indulged latte sipping Melbourne wankers? I think, I think we're heading into the
1: ice age now. The ice age.
0: The That's ice a good age. one. This is this, new... this is the specialty coffee. Yeah,
1: I think John ice Gordon age. used that phrase, the ice age. The ice
0: age. Yeah,
1: John Gordon. John Gordon. He's
0: ahead of his time. Isn't one he? of my yeah, one of my coffee heroes, mate. Um, well, it's very interesting, and and going back to um, you know, coffee. Being similar to wine, yes, I think you've got people like Craig Simon who, Mm. um, and in a moment, will play a piece of his routine. But he had this interesting routine at the World Brewster Championship in 2018, was it? Yep, that's right. Um, And in that, he he made the link between the deductive uh, tasting, Mm. uh, deductive wine tasting. Uh, technique used by sommeliers. Yes. So by drinking a... uh, uh, You might be able to explain this better, but by drinking a uh, wine, they'll be able to deduct uh, through primary, secondary and tertiary flavours the origin of the wine. So what country? Yes. The variety? Yes. And even the particular lot. Yes. On a given year. Yeah, exactly. crazy. Have you got anything more to elaborate on with that?
1: Yeah, I remember Craig explained it as you could could drink a glass of wine and immediately identify based on the flavours the flavours that come from the source. So you could say, okay, this is a 2018 Riesling from South Australia. But he proposed, what if we could do this in coffee? So primary flavours, you think, okay, that's the, you know, like a geisha variety, there are specific flavours from that variety, no matter where they're grown in the world. They still have those particular floral and stone fruit flavours. And he proposed secondary flavours come from the processing, like a natural wash processing and the tertiary flavours or roast-derived flavours – are those, those flavours you taste on the finish of a coffee, so the aftertaste.
0: Well, let's let's pass it over to the man himself. This is an extract from Craig Simon's 2018 World Barista Championship routine in Amsterdam. Take a listen.
2: Imagine we could drink any coffee right now and immediately identify its origin, the varietal, the farm temperature, how it was processed and roasted. We can, and I'm going to show you how. The pages in front of you are the guide to today's presentation, so please follow through on them as I talk and we taste and there's a copy there for the head judge to take back to the room at the end. My inspiration comes from the sommelier profession and the deductive tasting system that they have developed that lets them determine the provenance and quality of a wine as they taste it. This system identifies primary flavours from varietal and terroir, secondary flavours created during the winemaking process, and tertiary flavours created during ageing. From this information, a sommelier can immediately identify that wine because these flavours are being connected to their source. Using this information, I've created my own system for coffee, including the coffee tasting matrix that we'll be using today. It starts to identify where coffee flavours come from, so we could identify coffee by taste alone. This system would allow us to evaluate a coffee as a finished product. It would allow us to communicate flavours clearly to anyone and it would also allow the barista to engage the coffee consumer like a sommelier does with wine.
0: Craig Simon there. And that that's very interesting stuff that he talks about. Because I think people the general coffee consumers, not not coffee industry professionals. Mm-hmm. I think general coffee consumers are actually craving experiences like this. Yeah. And and we've learned you know, anecdotally, at least through our through our uh, own uh, pop ups, that people are actually craving a bit more from coffee mm. and they're, they're interested and more and more people are starting to to uh, become empowered by having frozen coffee yeah absolutely and i think something to to note about freezing coffee mm-hmm. a lot of people think well your first your first thought might be and I, i'm sure ours was at mm-hmm. the time that it's actually harder but it's not. No, it's easy. It makes your life so much easier. Mm. You know, I, I think now, I, I go back to the days of um, trying to get coffee to taste good and, and mm. you know, we made have work so hard.
1: Yeah, it was a struggle. Now it's, you know, <laughs> every
0: day is just a kuna matata. Exactly. A kuna matata. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and because um, you're able to, if you've got coffee frozen, mm-hmm. it's in the same conditions. It's degassing a, a lot slower. It's not totally um it hasn't totally stopped degassing at um you know it hasn't stopped totally yeah but it's slowed down to a rate where it's actually a lot more controllable Mm -hmm. and so if you've got a calibrated grinder you'll be able to have the same results using the same grind size yeah
1: day in day out Definitely. So it's actually, I, I love frozen coffee. Actually, I find it more difficult and frustrating going back to room temperature coffee because it is it is so volatile. Mm. Um, it's always changing. It's always continually aging in the bag. So the great thing with frozen coffee is, as you said, once you dial in, you have a recipe, you have your grind size, it will always be the same. Mm. It's it's actually really easy. And it's actually nice on a menu, for example, to make a promise on those particular flavors. You will taste that particular flavor because of the result... Provide your 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 technique, your distribution is the same, you get the same result. It's actually far more enjoyable making coffee.
0: Well I get to that time or I used to get to that time of the year every year where I thought, Well, my hair is turning grey, you know, <laughs> things are I'm getting old. Now I start getting all sooky during winter or I can't remember what time it is, but I just start craving Kenyan coffee. Okay. And so nowadays it's it's so well that I think when Kenyan coffee goes out of season... Oh, well, yeah, you when, miss when, it. when any coffee goes out of season, you yeah. miss it. But Kenyan's the one I seem to miss the most. Okay. I like, can't really live without it. Interesting. Excellent coffee origin. Yeah. But you just get to that... You know, Glenn Thomas, one of the great ones that we used to work with, <laughs> he used to say, "Oh, I'd, when I'd get grumpy at work, he'd say, mate, you just need a Kenyan espresso, don't you? <laughs> and he'd just rub it in. But it's true. Yeah, and absolutely. Now we, don't, now we don't seem to have that issue. You can just... Mm. Every day you can go, well... Um, I feel like this coffee, and mm. I guess that's another reason why we sort of started this, is because yeah. you walk into a cafe, you don't know what particular coffee they've got on on in mm. on that given day, and um, sometimes you might leave feeling disappointed because you don't have the coffee mm. that you feel like on that day. Yeah, and now that isn't so much an issue. Absolutely, perhaps we're spoiling ourselves, and this will become this will drive down our appreciation of coffee. Mm. I don't know just yet, but I seem to enjoy be enjoying it so far.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's actually nice to go, you know, go to the freezer at home and say, you know, maybe I want a washed Ethiopian heirloom espresso today. Maybe you want a a Panama Geisha today. Maybe I want a milk-based coffee. So it's nice having the choice. You don't have to be stuck to the seasonality of coffee anymore. It's like coffee can transcend the seasonality. It's it's incredible. And I guess... This is probably
0: where the wine industry, I- industry has had a bit more success. Is you can open a bottle of wine, mm. you know, a few years later, yeah, provided you've stored it correctly, and yes. it will taste the same or better. Somewhat, you know, mm. ages like wine is a, you know, yeah, well, it's it's like a fine a wine, like a fine wine, yeah. But, um, as the old ad- adage goes, you know, wine gets better with age, some yeah. of them do, um, and uh, yeah, you can. With a bottle of wine, you can open the bottle, mm. and that's th- I guess that's the fortunate thing. You don't have to have a skilled barista or operator on a machine to, to produce a consistent experience because you can just pour it in the bottle and it tastes as it should. Yeah. Uh, with coffee, it's a bit more complicated. You need to, you know, have functioning machinery, mm-hmm. uh, correct water chemistry, yeah, you know, good equipment, yes. good skilled knowledgeable barista who knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. um and. Now, where we're getting at is that we're able to contextualise that experience. I think people like knowing the origin of a coffee. And, you know, you and I have been to Own a Coffee this morning and where they drop the coffee off and they gave us the flavour notes, mm. where it's from. yeah. Um, and, you know, we do we adopt much of the same philosophy at, at our pop-ups. Yeah. And I think people genuinely want to know what the origins of the coffee are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who, who helped craft it. Yes. And, you know... Mind you, we do charge a lot for our coffee. It's mm-hmm. um, the coffee we buy is expensive. Yes. And we freeze it and we factor in all those costs. and yep. People are more than willing to pay it. Yeah. you Do, yeah. You, remember, do you remember that, that the uh, the guy at the Abacus pop-up, the second ever pop-up we had? Yes. It, we, we were serving a 90-plus uh, Percy Geisha fro- that was roasted in Momo's coffee mm. in South Korea. This yes. is back in January. Yeah and we had it on the menu for $30 a cup for a, a pour over. Yes. And he came up to us and he said, "Mate, are you kidding me? <laughs> You're charging $30 for a coffee." Yeah. And I was I was ready for a for a shouting match. So I said <laughs> So I looked him firmly in the eye and I said, "Yes. Yes." Just gave him yes. yes. I thought, oh, I'm going to cop it here." And he yeah. just goes, Righto. Well, give me two of those, and I'll have. Wow. I'll have. He he ended up ordering, um, you know, all the big baller stuff. Yeah, and he was just a customer because this this pop up was inside an existing cafe, and so there were yeah, you know, lots of people there.
1: Australia Day weekend, I believe it was
0: the Australia Day long weekend. Yeah. Um, and so that's January twenty sixth before coronavirus had happened. Yes, that's and right. he ended up coming back all three days and mm. you know tasting the rainbow, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And this is just um. This is just a guy that you know bumped into us by chance who absolutely loved what we were doing, mm. and I think where you compare you compare that to coffee nerds because you know coffee nerds are quite a um, a rare species of human. It's a, being. it's a niche niche market, yeah. Now, self, I will self um, self sort of uh, disclose here. I am a coffee nerd. Yeah, we all are. We all are. Yeah, in the industry. Yeah, um, but. I don't want to get it stuck on conversations about nah, the yeah, the grand size of the coffee. What's the TDS? What's the extraction percentage of this coffee? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get strung up on those conversations. No. And um, you know, God bless our own cotton socks, so to speak. Yeah, you know. I find it a lot more enjoyable talking to talking to people that are you know new to this or mm. wanting wanting to. They don't give a rat's ass about the TDS, the extraction percentage, the no, brew time. To, to they the, want to know about the coffee, exactly. And that's and we we as an industry, I hope, mm. should cater to that desire.
1: Mm, I agree.
0: Elaborate on that Todd.
1: Yeah, I think I think the coffee industry is starting to change into more of a customer focused experience. There was a time where the extractions and the type of grinder you're using was was the most important thing, but now I feel that's changing. It might be an influence of the. Recent barista, com- well, barista competition routine topics. That's sort of getting off well, topic, but that will come back to that.
0: We'll get there in a second. But um, you can imagine the type of, um, type of human being at home mm. that you know they're, they're dusting the chisel dust off their off their top, and they're on the computer and they're angry and they want to yeah. they want to roast what you're doing or just yeah. go bully a certain person online. That's the coffee nerd. <laughs> well, yes. that, that's that's a that's a cohort of the coffee nerds, mm-hmm. and we love them. Mm. I i I don't bully, I don't cyber bully people, but you know. We're, we're coffee nerds.
1: Yeah, mm. I agree. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised at that particular pop up at Abacus because we were people just coming in off the street thought it was a cafe. Part of the cafe, they sort of explained we're serving frozen coffee. Here's the menu. They were quite surprised the amount of detail, the amount of information we had for each coffee. I remember one particular lady; she was paying fourteen dollars for a La Palma. Natural geisha milk based coffee. You know, I was getting a little bit nervous. What Hell she, of a coffee! Is she going to get oh incredible coffee? Is she going to get angry? Is she going to be disappointed? She said that's one of the best coffees I've, I've ever had, and actually does taste like the way it says on the menu. So that made me feel, for this is a really rewarding experience. I thought this is what I want to do now.
0: Well, and there was also another woman at that same another lovely lady, I should say, at the at that that pop up who who questioned us when we made her a milk-based coffee. She said, oh, what what, what have you put in there? You've put a bit of fruit or you put a bit of... Um, a <laughs> bit of flavour? A bit of syrup or something? Yeah. I said, no, that's just straight coffee. And she said, uh, excuse me, no, it's not. <laughs> so, so it was a bit of a to and fro on that. But eventually I ended up convincing her that, yes, mm. you know, coffee prepared right, yes, grown right, processed right, yes, can taste like fruit. It can be
1: really exceptional.
0: It, it, it just... It, just flips everything on its head and there's another there's another format in which such coffee can be presented Mm -hmm. and that is in a barista competition yes now barista competitions is something we wanted to talk a little bit about today because Mm -hmm. i think um part of the issue with barista competitions that you people pay like competitors pay you know hundreds of dollars per kilo for their coffee Mm -hmm. and they serve it to judges whose job is to you know critically analyze it and compare it to other people's coffee mm. and um, there's only four of them in a competition yeah and then it just seems a bit of a waste that you do all that hard work and only four people five people get to try it mm-hmm. and I think that's another reason why we sort of got convinced that the the 0 way was the right way because yes um, you get to share it with so much so many more people
1: mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think there there is a uh, an aspect of competitions that is potentially wasteful, but I think I think um, for me, it's an incredible learning opportunity. You become a better barista, and also connecting with other people. I think the customers customer service aspect of it is is equally important as well. Well,
0: let's try and let's try and um, nut out what a barista competition is. Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: I'll start starting with you.
0: Okay. What, what is a barista competition for anyone who? is a, is a, is a first-time listener to the Sub-Zero podcast. What, what's a barista competition?
1: Yeah, so you have you have a 15-minute time allocation to serve 12 drinks, so four espressos, four milk-based coffees and four signature drinks of your choosing to a panel of four judges and a head judge oversees them. Mm-hmm. Two technical judges are watching everything you're doing, so obviously you need to be clean and consistent professional behind the machine. And then if you go over that time limit, you lose a point every second that you go over that Time limit, mm-hmm. but basically whoever makes the best espresso and describes it accurately, the highest scoring espresso is the winner.
0: So, well, you, you, there are there are many ways to score points, and uh, you you rightly mentioned the technical judge, which will assess your cleanliness. Yes. Uh, you know your um ability to ha- you know perform consistently. So you get, mm-hmm. you know your your shots need to be around the same time yes. they need to be around the same weight yes. your workstation needs to be clean that's all that's all part of the the point scoring system mm-hmm. and then there's um the 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 sensory judges yes. and this is where mo- this is where the bulk of the points come mm-hmm. um, you you need to serve a signature drink which is a uh uh actually I'll explain that one last one I that's probably the best way to yeah, do it yeah okay um so you you serve a milk based coffee so mm-hmm. it's a, a coffee with milk. milk. Yes. And then you serve an espresso. Mm-hmm. And this is the highest uh, scoring element of the entire yes. competition. The person with the highest scoring espressos usually is the winner. Yes. And then you've got a signature drink. Yes. And the objective with the signature, signature drink, and correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, is to, you need to add other elements that aren't coffee. Mm-hmm. So it can be anything you want that's not alcoholic. can't yes. be alcoholic or yep. poisonous. We don't want to poison the judges. No, of course not. Um, and uh, try and create a drink which uh, encapsulates, I guess you could say the essence of your routine, mm. but you need to accentuate the coffee as well. Yeah, Does it's that,
1: actually surprisingly the most challenging part of the routine is is getting a good signature drink. so you're adding two or three elements to the espresso, but the idea is it's got to taste it's got to be a better experience in the espresso or it is by adding more things to it. So it's actually surprisingly very difficult. Um, but basically, your idea, your concept is presented in a drink and how well you understand that coffee altogether in one drink. It's surprisingly challenging.
0: And you yourself, Todd, have competed in a number of risk competitions, have you
1: not? That's right, yes. I did five five years in a row. Five
0: years in a row. Yes. And how did how, we go?
1: Uh, pretty good. I think, honestly, at the start, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just very passionate about Ethiopian coffee in my first routine, I found a great coffee that I fell in love with. I thought I'd really love to... This in a competition. Um, I guess getting the feedback at the end was a little bit disheartening, but mm. I think it does make you a stronger barista at the end of the day. I think competitions are a great platform to push yourself forward very, very quickly.
0: Mm. Um, and I competed in a barista competition for the first time Oh, uh, with the regional competition in 2018. 2018, it yes. It's nearly two years ago now. Yeah, wow. And then um, last year we both competed against each other for the first time Yes, in the national Brewster competition That's right. and uh, in that I was using some Bolivian coffee mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to be sent by San Ali and Sal Vittore to Bolivia and mm-hmm. used two beautiful coffees from one from Finca Las La Alicidas and one from Finca La Linda and if you, <laughs> if you get to drink those coffees you're a very lucky person mm. uh, produced incredible by the coffees. produced by the Rodriguez family and um, Bolivia is just such an incredible coffee producing nation in its own right um, what was the favorite? What was your favourite coffee you ever used? Yelboro uh, was great. Yelboro was
1: a really incredible coffee. That one sticks out in my mind, obviously, because it was frozen. That was just incredible. And I think 2019 was the first time I attempted to serve frozen coffee using dry ice. Mm. And that was a La Palma Lactic Geisha. That was an incredible coffee no, it wasn't. as well. It
0: was Typica.
1: Oh, sorry. I had a Geisha for the regional comp and I had a Typica for the national competition.
0: And that Typica was sensational. That was a... Amazing coffee. La Palma El Toucan, well well done. And and yeah. they uh, the, uh, the coffee from La Palma El Toucan was used to win the World Barista Championship. Last time there was one mm-hmm. um, by Jun Jion,
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Of Momo's Coffee in South Korea.
1: Yeah, it's a coincidence. C-
0: Mate, it's very big coincidence, <laughs> isn't it? Um, have you got a favourite barista competitor that you've... Yeah, uh, or favourite routine?
1: Yeah, I think starting out, John Gordon was a was a massive hero of mine and, and continues to be. Um, mm. I guess, you know, the beard and the white shirt, Black Abram, to me, is a very iconic sort of look. Um, well, you've got quite
0: the beard going yourself, do well, you? Well, I was
1: inspired by John Gordon. So, you know, almost like the coffee wizard sort of look. Yeah, okay. Yeah, More knowledge, longer beard, more flavour.
0: More beard. Yeah. More knowledge, more flavour. Exactly. Mate, very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you, John Gordon and Pete Licata have something in common. Yeah, yeah, you're all you've all, all got shy, a great big all beard, all, all shaved your head, bald. Yeah, yeah,
1: what yeah. yeah. <laughs> flavour? <laughs> similar look. Um, thank you. So, <laughs> <laughs> twenty twenty thirteen routine of John Gordon's. He, I was really in, amazed by. It. He he had the judges with headphones, so they didn't have any distractions. It had particular music to fit the flavour and the mood of the coffee he was trying to create. The The idea was he wanted to create an experience like he wanted the judges to taste the coffee the same way that he did, which is quite difficult to do because everyone tastes is a little bit different. Um, And he had incredible signature drink, sort of like matching the sweetness of the espresso course, the bitterness of the milk course. First time anyone, I heard someone talk about dark chocolate as a positive bitterness in, in a competition. Okay. And then the signature drink was capturing the sweetness, acidity and the bitterness of the coffee in different shaped glasses, different aromas. It was a quite incredible routine to fit together in 15 minutes.
0: That was back in 2013. That's correct. Yeah. Before his time, John Gordon. Yeah, Mate. ahead of his time. And, and you know, we um, I admire the work he does as well. I met him for the first time when I was in Brazil mm-hmm. uh, and he was working for San Remo at the time and yep. that was the world's World Brewers Cup competition. Mm. Uh, nice guy. Um, and, you know, we're uh, exchanging information with him these days which is very very cool because yeah. um, John's a big believer in frozen coffee and mm-hmm. um, and so are we obviously yeah um, looking forward to, to buying some coffee off him absolutely um, I think he's
1: playing releasing his competition but that was going to be his competition coffee um shortly I believe
0: and there's some there's some different elements to barista competition routines as well because you you see some that are there's more than one way to skin a cat so to speak mm. There's some way, some competitors go about it by focusing a lot on the coffee and the customer service. Yep. Some people are presenting new and innovative ideas. Mm. And for, to go back to the customer service people, you think of people like Agneska, yeah, Ryuska who you know, just nailed the score sheet and really, really knew what she was doing mm. to win the competition. Yeah. And then you think of some you know, people like Dale Harris and, and June Gion last year who just introduced some wild theories, uh, relating yeah. to coffee and, and managed to win and then go back to even 2015 where sasha sestic sort of popularized uh, the carbonic maceration process mm. yes. which you know is widely used in processing coffee all around the world today yeah and become a huge part of their business at owner coffee and you know produce some pretty whack coffees using it yeah thanks Baris- thanks Sasha thanks Sasha yeah, there's some pretty <laughs> there's some pretty um, a lot of things in coffee or barista competitions they influence the industry. Yeah, and, 100%. And I, th- I think that's probably one of the better things um, to do with competitions. And mm-hmm. yeah, thank, thank, thanks to everyone for for con- making those contributions. And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, the World Baristic Competition was uh, postponed this year. It's you know, allegedly postponed till, uh November, but that's I doubt that's yeah. going to happen given that we currently live in the... Co- uh, the COVID world, mm. um, so uh, the Australian government's restricting travel from pretty much every foreign country. Yeah, um, and I'm very. It's, it's not looking too good. It's not looking good, I, good at I all. I don't no. think. I don't think there will be a World Brisket competition in 2020. But um, mm. you know, I really, really look forward to the days where. They do come back, and we get to see some more wonderful routines. Yeah. And you and I get to compete in them again. Yes, that would I'd be great.
1: Say, that'd be great. Yeah.
0: Um. You know, I really, really think that we've got some more things to offer now. And you, mm-hmm. you, um, you learn a little bit more each year when you do it. I mean, Absolutely. I've only competed one. I've only competed one year so far. But you know, I'm super, super keen to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, one can only hope that they, um, they return. Yes. But, mate, let's finish on some positives. Yes. What have we been up to in the, during the lockdown? So I think, was it, mm. was it March that everything started uh, to sort of shift? March
1: 23rd, the Australian government announced there would be a lockdown in Victoria. So very quickly, 24 hours later, suddenly you had a team of 10 baristas. Now it was cut down to two people and people's hours were cut. A lot of people lost their jobs. So mm. majority of people I know in the coffee industry are unemployed or have been unemployed, which is, which is very sad. Um, but I think during that lock time, sorry, that lockdown time, it allows you to look at things from a different perspective mm. and I think trying to look for the positives in a bad situation, I think has been a really difficult thing.
0: Well, I got to say for the first month,
1: mm.
0: I was really, really depressed. Yeah. So, um, you know, we had, we had planned to go to Singapore. That's and right. And Jakarta. Yes. We had pop-ups planned in, uh, in both countries and, um, now it would have been a really good opportunity for us an mm-hmm. opportunity to expand into different countries and you know travel the world and there was pop-ups planned for korea japan mm-hmm. america yes. england um and unfortunately pretty much all the profits we'd made from from the first few pop-ups just went down the drain yes so uh, i booked the flights to singapore and jakarta and and the accommodation and, and that's yeah. probably to the tune of you know between 8 to 10 thousand dollars australian ouch and it's just all gone yes so that's pretty much all the money i had mm. um and it was it was tough mm. losing all of that and um, not being able to operate because of the government restrictions and mm-hmm. i mean we could have done takeaway operations but that just sort of i think i lost the motivation to do that at the start yeah there but was a
1: time we were both a little bit down i guess but yeah. i think the the blessing in disguise, the positive way of looking at we saw a couple of opportunities to continue Sub Zero just at a different different platform.
0: Well, you know, we had our Suki Lala, so to speak. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. you just you know, you feel a bit down you have a you have a Suki Lala. Yeah. Lala. And that's a very Australian term as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, for anyone listening to who, who the hell are these crazy Australians? Well, mm. you know, Suki Lala is another Australian colloquialism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just being a bit sad. Yeah. Being bit down. down. Now, sometimes you get a bit angry. Have a sook. Yeah. Have a sooky or a Oh, a tanti. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's allowed us to do. It's allowed us to work on other things like mm-hmm. the podcast. Yes. Um, and we have been working furiously mm-hmm. on getting back up because the lockdowns or the restrictions, so to speak, are beginning to ease in Australia. Yes. And so soon,
1: very soon, very soon,
0: we'll have a semi-permanent pop-up site. Mm -hmm. We can't announce the exact details because we're just waiting on... A
1: couple of details to be
0: finalised. A couple of details to be finalised. Yeah. But we're very excited because soon we'll have a space Mm -hmm. and we will be operating seven days a week at that Mm -hmm. space. Yep. And from within that space, you'll also be able to buy Sub-Zero Coffee. Yes. So we now have our own roasting arm Mm -hmm. and we've partnered with the Australian Roasting Champion. Mm -hmm. Former number two in the world, yes, Ben Tuvi. Ben Tuvi, one of the best one roasters, the, one of the great ones, one of the great ones, one of the great ones. Yeah, and so um, I think the motivation behind that was because mm. we can't, we can't buy roasted coffee from overseas mm. and have it uh, delivered to us in the time that we would have expected before COVID nineteen. Yep. Um, the, you know, shipments are a bit sporadic and, you know, they might commit to shipping within a certain time, but you don't actually know. Yeah, exactly. So it's a bit of a risk buying frozen coffee, uh, yes. buying co- roasted coffee from overseas, rather. Mm-hmm. And so we've decided to buy green coffee. Yes. Which is a bit, has a bit more of a shelf life.
1: And it's a new new thing for us?
0: Well, it's a new thing. It wasn't really always part of the plan. No. Um, and uh, we, we're not going to stop buying coffee from other roasters. No. Um, because, of course... We don't have any rules. Exactly. That's the best part about this. Yeah, And be, and having a shop where you can present different coffees and different roasters, different styles. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the fun for us, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've got to say, I'm really excited. when we, we released our first coffee the other day, which is the uh, Abdul Salam Al-Haba.
1: Yes, from Yemen.
0: From Yemen. Mm. Going out with a bang. Yeah. And we've got, we've got the Iceman blend coming soon. Yeah, a little sneak. Teaser, sneak teaser. Yeah. So stay tuned for the Ice the Iceman blend. Yes, um, you, if you follow the socials, yeah, you'll learn a, a bit more about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely follow us on Instagram at SubZero Coffee. Um, so the the partnership with the collaboration with um, Ben TV has been been an amazing opportunity. So we can get coffee, f- you know, green coffee from Australia, sourced from any other country that's just sort of sitting there. Mm. Um, we could say, well, what what can we do with this, Ben? And he'll have an idea. To create a blend.
0: in a way, this is going to empower us to get even
1: more coffee on our menu because yeah.
0: we can rather than, you know, choosing from what roasters offer, mm. we can actually go to the source and get the coffee. Yeah. And mind you, we're a very small operation right now. It's a two man show. It's a two man show. <laughs> Unemployed, self employed. But yeah, exactly. um, you know, we'll get there. Yeah. It was funny when we went to Axel last year, and we went and saw the the great Dave Macon. Yes, and you know, I w- I think I was finishing one of my uni assignments. Yeah, and and I think you were unemployed at the time. I was unemployed at the time, and he yes. comes up and he says, "What did he say?"
1: Uh, he goes, "Well, once unemployed, once a student."
0: <laughs> it was pretty funny. He's a good he's a good guy. Dave, he's a good guy, and um, you know, yeah. that's back when you could go sit in cafes. It was custom.
1: a different time then, wasn't it? Different time, it different, different time.
0: time. But you know. We're doing our thing now, and mm. mate, the future, the future looks good.
1: Yeah, I think you know, trying to look at a positive angle, I think has been been the the difficult thing in twenty twenty. So I think doing a lot of time to think and sort of reflect on, you know, I there are some good things. I still have my health, you know, I'm still well. I can still make coffee. I still love making coffee. Let's continue to do that.
0: Well, I think you're... Throughout all this, I've had all the sub-zero coffee
1: at my house. Yes, just tucked
0: away in the chest freezer. Yes, and uh, <laughs> some days you have to restrict yourself from you know drinking up all the profits because or all the all the all the um, all the coffee because secret stash, the secret stash. It's a bit tempting when you can just reach into the <laughs> reach into the freezer and grab whatever coffee you like. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's, it's been good though. Yeah, oh, it's Absolutely. been good. And uh, I've probably been the, one of the uh, in that sense. I've been one of the richest people on the planet during this.
1: Yeah. Just, you know, coffee.
0: Yeah. I think it was coffee.
1: No. it's the best thing since.
0: I think a lot of people would be, you know, better off if they just had a cup of, a really good cup of coffee, don't you think? Absolutely. It can solve a lot of problems. Absolutely. You could almost bring...
1: No, I won't say that. No, I don't, don't say. Okay. But yeah, but I think, yeah, freezing coffee, is, it's been an incredible thing. And to go from 2017 to here we are now, I wouldn't have imagined we'd be in this position, mm. having our own roasting division, having our own brand, which has been... That's, you know, started from an idea you had back in September 2019.
2: Just sweating
0: in the hotel room in Singapore. Yeah. How can we do this better?
1: Yeah. Should we should we tell that story?
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I just had my wisdom teeth removed. Okay. And I was going over to work in Singapore. So the day before I went to Singapore, I had my wisdom teeth removed. And I thought, well, you know, how often do you get a free work trip? Mm. So I thought, well, I won't tell anyone that I'm getting my wisdom teeth removed. Okay. So I just went over and that really hurt. Okay. Anyway, so... Long stop short, we're in Singapore, and um, I just wanted, you know, you and I are always scouring the internet for coffee, you know, <laughs> not afraid to to yeah. order from overseas. No, and um, I just wanted the one stop shop for everything, mm. not just filter, not just espresso for milk based coffee as well. Mm. And what if, and we just thought, what if you could have that all in under the one roof? And so at that very time, I start I. I'd registered for the ABN, the Australian Business Number, you mm-hmm. know, and started buying coffee on my laptop mm. while I was overseas. Yeah. And when I got back, I said, "Todd, we we're, we're going to do this." Yeah. We're going to have the pop-up in December. Um and then we just did. Yeah. And um yeah, honestly, it's it's I'm I've I've always been a bit of a George Costanza. <laughs> been a bit of a <laughs> been a bit of a quitter. Yeah?
1: Right. I was okay. a quitter.
0: My father was a quitter for me. Wow. You know, I was always a bit like that. Mm. And, um, you know, it was good to just actually have, you know, a goal in mind to do. And we did it. We did it three times. Now we've got the roasting. And mm. um, I don't know really, I don't really know what the future holds for us, but um, I'm just riding the wave. We're yeah. riding the wave. Yeah.
1: Just enjoying the process, I think now.
0: And, um, you know, it doesn't matter if we don't make a whole lot of money and, you know, we're you don't get into this business to make money. No. And it's just all about spreading love and flavour. Yeah. Delicious of flavor. coffee. Just 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 spread it. Mm. But Todd, I think that's enough for us today. And okay. Um, you know, it's been great talking to you and having you on the podcast and thank you. Introducing you and the the high inner laugh to, to the coffee population wow. at large. Wow, okay. Wow. Thank you. Mate, it's very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. Well, it's a good way to sign <laughs> off Excellent. and um mate. Thanks for, thanks for being a good mate.
1: Thanks, mate. You too.
0: Um, thanks for being a part of Sub-Zero and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. And as always, everyone, how do we sign off, Todd? Stay cool. Stay cool.
1: Stay cool.